welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational and entertaining auto detailing podcast, hosted by Marshall Hill of Total Auto Solutions and DJ Patterson of Eco Green Mobile Detailing. Grab a pint and enjoy. Hey, detailers, you ready for SEMA? Woo, it's coming up close. Make sure you pre-register SEMAPintNight.com. Pint Night this year for SEMA will be at the Gordon Beers Brewery, returning there for some amazing, I love their beer. It's going to be hard to pull me away from there, I tell you. You want to pre-register, must, or else you will wait 30 minutes after everybody started drinking before you get to come in. Hopefully there's a pint glass left for you. Register, pre-register, SEMAPintNight.com. Welcome to the Pines and Posture Podcast. This is the intro to the Nick from Vegas Rides episode. And DJ, I just got one burning question on my mind. Oh man, here we go. What what's that question? Well, how was your day? Wow. Good job, man. Yeah. Proud of you. You seem like you had a really busy day. I had a busy day. How was my day? It was, it's great now. Yeah. I'm having a beer, right just finished recording a podcast, super awesome dude, and uh, just relaxing into the evening, man. Yeah. The day's What's gone, it? though. It's washed away. I don't want to talk about it. The day's gone. It's washed away. It's washed. Get it? You like that? Oh, yeah. As you wash down the beer, is that what you're saying? The beer washed down all your sorrows? After washing cars, I washed down beers, and now I'm going to oh. wash my body here in a minute when I get in the shower. Like A lot of washing going on today, Marshall. A lot of washing. A lot of washing. Yeah. That's good. That's good. How's your day, man? Hmm. It's all over the place, like normal. Oh, yep. Or that sounds just... like Marty's life. Yeah. Yeah. Started here at one spot. And now I'm there. 15... And... Yeah, over here and over there. <laughs> back over this way. And... But you can, oh, follow, yeah. <laughs> you can follow your stories and know where you're at all the time. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh... All right, this is a great episode, guys. I think you're going to get a lot of knowledge. Uh, Nick from Vegas Rides comes on. Nick um, has a really cool story uh, from where he got started and how he went through his detailing career, ends up in Vegas. And um, we really talked, again, pushing that one to three year young in detailing. Man, there's a lot of information, DJ, for guys to, I mean, this is almost a notepad one, huh? Uh, I'd say. I'd say for sure really take some good notes or play it two or three times while you're polishing paint. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and then you'll get mad at them a couple of times, but then you can't stop listening because it's good information. So you'll keep listening as you polish paint. And then hopefully you're not polishing paint after long. Yeah, definitely. All right. You guys enjoy. See ya. Three, two. One. Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, uh, where we try not to get wet, but it just happens. Whoa. Yeah. Really? <laughs> you know, if you've had a long day, you know, you, you grinded all day, DJ. Yeah, but I never got once wet. I'm waterless. You haven't got wet? I mean, I'm still working driving back, and uh, I'm not wet either, but I don't know. Nick, what about you, man? How was your day? 
Uh, busy day. Just got out of the pool. So Nick's wet. Nicely done, Nick. trade that for anything and so when I went to college 
and I graduated high school. I always worked for that. Went to college. Uh, I still did that kind of work. You know, my name got out there. At that point in time, I was really an independent contractor. I had three or four companies I do work for when I had free time, and I always worked piecework. Always. You know, I always wanted a piece of the pie. If we did a five hundred dollar detail, I wanted two hundred bucks. And you know, that's just the way. I guess some people are just built that way. I was never going to be happy with an hourly job, and I got yeah. hooked on detailing because of that, really. I think for me, it was, I enjoyed the process of seeing something that was clean, and I think it's the ADD, and I could just scrub away at something, and it would be gone, like instant gratification. <laughs> yeah, I think, that's, I, think that's a good, I think that's a good way to put it for me, too. It was seeing something that was just, I don't know, trashed, I mean, for lack of a yeah. better word, and seeing it come back to life, I mean, you know... I can remember Chevy Cavaliers, and you remember those Dodge Neons, and, you know, everything that was popular back then was just, they would always be trashed, and, you know, you do take some satisfaction from that, you know, and process is a big part of my business today, and process just speaks to me, and, you know, as little as I've talked to you and DJ, it seems like you're built pretty similarly. Um, I'm a little more. I'm a little more slim than he is. He's got quite a few more pounds on me, so I, I wouldn't say we're built the same, but uh, we do complement each other very well. No, I just said I'm slimmer. You're not fluffy. You've definitely. We were talking about pictures of. So we're looking at a. Uh, I was searching back on my phone for some pictures I was looking for, and I saw some of Marty. I was like, holy crap. You were huge, and <laughs> he's like, "Yeah, dude," but uh, no, you've slimmed down a ton, dude. You look, you look great. You're just not skinny like me. No, I, I was, I agree. I was saying your physique is just so much more molded than mine. Uh, hmm. But it's your processes that's probably where you really trumped me. Oh, <laughs> we're talking business he was again. Talking about yeah, definitely. Yeah, we. And that's why I said we complement each other very well. Much more of a process guy. Uh, I'm more of the uh, Brett Favre gunslinger. Just get up the line and throw the ball. Yeah, and I'm like, hold on. There, there's a way to do this a little bit better than what yeah. you're trying to do right now. Like, <laughs> let's talk this definitely. through. to go do some training with Joel at Flawless Finish. And so I did not make it back in time to enjoy some of the most amazing Blue Moon Pumpkin Ale. It's one of my favorites. I love it. Uh, so, But I know you guys get to enjoy the wonderful beer. What a dream. A six-pack for me. I don't have to shoot. I don't have to shoot. Like, this is a dream. <laughs> something has too much pumpkin in it, it kind of it kind of turns me off doesn't matter what it is this kind of has a little bit of spice behind it you know it's not it's not so pumpkin in your face it does taste like an ale it's a beer with just a little hint i, I kind of like that you know to be honest i thought i would hate it but i, I actually like it yeah dj 
Yeah, it's it's uh it's smoother than most pumpkin beers. Um, very ref- it's it's great. I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, like you said, it's not overly in your face. Yeah, it's not over the top. Correct. It's just nice in there. It's kind of like it's like hanging out, saying, "Hey, I got a little pumpkin." Yep. Highly recommend it. So, what do you normally drink, Nick? Um, you know, actually, uh, at, at my house, we have uh, it's a beer from Maui Brewing Company. It's called Bikini Blonde. And, uh, you know, I, I, if we get vacation or, you know, I mean, I know you guys are all in the same boat I'm in. You know, if we take time away, it's usually to Maui. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for know, sure. Yeah, all the time, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that, that, that's, the big, that's the big thing for me. I mean, it's a short, it's a short <laughs> flight for us. Hey, Marty, you know? people in uh, Oklahoma, we go to Branson and. Yeah. <laughs> go, to go, go to Yeah, go to Grand Lake, which yeah. is about 45 minutes away. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a short flight for us. I mean, it's a direct flight. You know, uh, this, is, this is known as, as part of the, of the island here. You know, we have a lot of Hawaiian transplants in Vegas. You know, so it's just been a place, and, and they have this brewing company. It's you know in Waikiki, it's everywhere, but it's just a nice, refreshing, clean taste. And uh, like I said, we we just we went there last August, and you know it, it was just a great place. You know, so we, we kind of drink that around here, to be honest. And you get it here locally, like I said, because they're you know Hawaii's pretty big here in Las Vegas. Dude, have you ever surfed? That's why I want to go to Hawaii and learn to surf. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it, and like I said, it's 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 not as hard as everybody makes it. Like when you see it in the movies and the shows, you're thinking to yourself, like, I'm definitely going to drown. It's not like that. If you have any coordination at all, you'll be fine. You'll have a great time. And uh, I, I highly recommend, you know, if you ever get a chance, you know, people that haven't been to the island, it's definitely definitely worth the trip. If DJ makes it out there, I'm not getting in the water, dude. <laughs> 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 There's no way. <laughs> you know, waist deep. You're not gonna at least waist deep out in the water. I'll I'll go waist deep. That's about it, though. Like if it touched my belly button, we've got problems. You got problems, huh? Yeah, when we were there, we actually got caught in the hurricane. They actually had the, like one of the first hurricanes there in a while, and so we were actually out on the boat, and man, people were freaking. Yep. It was like you know, and that stuff just doesn't bother me. You know, I I just got back in the water. Uh, we go, I went, you know, my father and I went spear fishing. Um, you know, it's just something I like to do. I grew up hunting and stuff like that. So, you know, spear so fishing like, is like, like dive spear fishing or like standing on the rocks, throwing the spear or. No, we, we, we can do both. Um, but you know, I prefer to go under, you know, I prefer. Like free dive know, and then shoot. You can, yeah. You can free dive or, you know, there's some like, uh, some different like diving equipment you can wear that won't scare the fish off um, but i just prefer a free dive like, like i said it's more just like right, know, so hey, how, long, how long can you hold your breath i can get to like i can get to a couple minutes pretty easily wow you know, i don't i don't i don't get i don't get uh i don't get winded easily like i can run really far without running it's just something i've always been able to do and like i said growing up you know i don't know about you guys but florida was really big like for vacation in Ohio you know you'd go down to Florida with your family and so you know if, if you ever got away you know you kind of went to Myrtle Beach or you went to Florida um, everybody kind of does different things in different part of the country and so I just always loved the water and you know if I could ever get in it I did 
you know, whether it was a dirty uh, leg or pond yeah. or whatever. <laughs> I'm with you on that. DJ loves the water too. He does. Yeah. Guys all the time. I take showers about twice a day, I man. Nice hot, <laughs> nice hot showers. Uh, but no, I'm with you. I, I like to dive. I just, I can't. I had, um, I had a lot of ear problems growing up. Mm-hmm. And I College thing? Like, no. Well, just even be whenever, yeah. Did, did you ever just go live down the coast and hop around from town to town? No, we stayed in Tulsa our whole lives. Pretty much. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so for me, I, you know, when I got out of school, you know, I got offered, I, I went to uh, engineering school and got offered jobs, you know, those were in demand. And so. Really what happened for me is I just kind of followed jobs. You know, when I'd get an offer, I'd go. And if it meant that I moved, um, I wanted to. And I didn't really oh, care okay. the city. You know, like I, I didn't I didn't know I didn't know about Philly. I didn't know about Charlotte. I didn't know anybody there. Um, I just moved. But every time I moved, I, I did detailing on the side. Hmm. So I've never had a moment since I started detailing that I wasn't going to continue to detail. That's so, kind, of, kind of what's awesome about this industry is with that skill. I mean, you can literally do it wherever you want. Yeah, and actually DJ is saying something here that I think people actually need to pick up on. So many people want to start their own business, but boy, oh boy, can you make a lot of money working for people in this industry. If you're actually good, I think there's a ton of money in being kind of a hired gun, so to speak, to go be an A player for somebody. Yeah, because so, we're always looking for them, right? Yeah, and look, I, I would just go into places. I would look for somebody that was kind of a one-off, mm-hmm. uh, didn't have a lot of work, but had specific type of work, didn't have a big name in the area, but I could tell they needed help. And I would just go in and say, hey, man, here's what I'll offer. You know, so I'll, I'll split it 60-40 with you. Whatever you build a customer, I get 40%. And let me tell you, if I could find a 1,000 of those people right now, my business would be 50 times the size. So... Um, that's just kind of what I did. And then I, I went to Charlotte and then I had an opportunity to move across the country. And I really wanted to get to the West coast and I got to San Diego and 
spent some time in San Diego and enjoyed it until I got to Knoxville. What, you know, uh, what was your opportunity? Um, basically to work around um, some of the bases down there, do some design work. But this was a chance I knew I could feel was a chance I was going to break away from working for people. I could feel it when I moved out there. I was like, you know what, this is just, you know, one thing that's a big advantage coming from the East Coast or the Midwest is you have a higher motor, like everything moves faster for you than it does on the West Coast. So as soon as I got to the West Coast, I could feel it like, hey, man, I need to start something. (laughs) You know, like I work faster, I work harder. You know, these people are just soaking up the sun. It was really kind of palpable to me. And so, you know, for me on a personal level, this is when I started to really take detailing much more serious. I wanted to get my name out there. I wanted to get myself situated. I wanted I wanted to put my name on the map with collectors and, you know, some people that I had run into across the years. I started, you know, contacting them and say, hey, you know, this is what I want to do. And quite frankly, when 2008 and nine hit, there was no better opportunity than two cities on the West Coast. Phoenix and Las Vegas had the greatest opportunity because they had gotten hit the hardest. And so I wanted to buy some real estate and I wanted to, you know, start my business. I mean, realistically, that's that's what I was thinking about. And so that's what I did. I picked so Las Vegas clar- because I like it better. Clarify what you mean by got hit harder. Um, there'll be a lot of young guys that listen we're in 2019, October of 2019. A lot of guys don't understand what 2008, 9, and 10 means and got hit hard. So okay. break that down a little bit. Okay, so what you had is is you, you had kind of all the sunny spots of, of this country are really the, the bubble, the burst in the bubble of 2008, 9. Uh, so what you had is, is if you go down to South Florida – if you're in Arizona, Phoenix area, and Las Vegas, those were the three areas, really, that prices went up the fastest. So you could realistically see a 2,000-square-foot house that didn't have much inside of it go for six to $800,000 at the time. Uh, when the bubble burst in, in 2008 and nine, those same houses were worth about $80,000. And so you had a decimation of economies because people just kept getting money out of their homes. And that's really what caused the bubble to burst is essentially a bunch of people that couldn't afford the homes they were in were living off the equity in their homes. And so when, when the bubble burst, liquidity went out of everything. I mean, grocery stores were hit. As soon as you know food gets hit, everybody's been hit. Car dealerships, you know, uh, Apple. Yeah, it just doesn't. And again, this is, Marty, I know this is a big thing with you because you talked about it a lot at Mobile Tech Expo, but I think there are a lot of people, like you said, that 2008, 9, and 10, people don't realize the risk you had to take to make money. So I just kind of pushed all my chips into the middle. You know, if you read a little bit of history, most of the great companies are founded at a recession or, you know, something like that. You know, that's your greatest buying opportunity. And so I just doubled down. You know, I just said, hey, I've saved up a little bit of coin. I'm going to go buy some real estate. I'm going to go start a business and, you know, kind of, you know, F the world. Let's go. You know, I know I can make this work. And How you know, that's kind of, uh, that time I would have been, what would have been, 20, 26, 27. So, you know, going on, you know, 26, 27. 
So it was a big risk. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I mean, you know, and now you look at it, you know, sort of a decade later and, and people see that it's panned out, but, you know, they don't see that you were scared to death because I had never been through something like that. You know, 99 and 2000 was much different. It was more of a flash crash. You know, it wasn't a complete decimation of, you know, one of the biggest money makers in, in the world. And so, you know, when 2008 hit, you know, I didn't know anything other than anybody else, but I knew that I had to bet on myself. And, you know, that's what I did. And it could have just as easily blown up in my face. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think some of the key reasons that you made it? Um, I, I think because, you know, this is kind of an interesting topic. And, you know, I know we've all you know, sort of had these thoughts before. I never really bought into the hype of being a detailer. Like a lot of guys identify themselves as a detailer. I just own a detailing business. Okay. Um, I really looked at it like a business. Hey, you know, I need to, I need to be able to hire people. I need to be able to make a living. What does that look like? And so I built a business plan around that. And, you know, that was what I think separated me from a lot of guys is that I was willing to constantly tweak the way that I did business to get me through the tough times. I didn't have these hard and fast rules of, you know, you got to do a paint correction or you've got you know, a lot of guys stuck to their guns and it drove them out of business. And so I just kept feeling my way through the market. And because I looked at it like a business instead of like a detailer, I just became more and more nimble. Uh, I kept my overhead low. I didn't have all these preconceived notions. I was just going with the flow as I saw it. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, that made a big difference for me because I know a lot of really great detailers um, in this city and other cities that deserve to have a company, but they never are quite nimble enough or open-minded enough to kind of put their beliefs on the back burner and do what the customer likes, if that makes sense. So many guys want you to conform to their idea uh, instead of just saying, okay, you know, I'm going to take what I can get here and I'm going to make the best of it and, and kind of adjust your business model accordingly. I, I don't know if that makes sense the way I said it, but it made sense when I was watching it unfold. It's just like, you couldn't be rigid at that time. You know, you can be a lot more rigid now because there's always a customer. If you're good, there's always a customer calling you next. So you can be a little bit more rigid. When things were bad, man, you just had to go and get what you could get. Yeah, DJ, I know, you know, we both know that. Uh, what are your thoughts, though? Uh, in regards to... It's a customer first mentality in a sense. Uh, he basically was saying, you know, because you might have a price or have a structure or what you're going to tell people that they have to do on their car, it's you're meeting your customer's needs instead of what you think you should do as a detailer. Yeah, car. so that, and yeah, I, I had that same mentality a long time ago was that. Just like you said, you, you, this car needs a paint correction, it needs this, it needs that. And I had a lot of clients who were just kind of turned off because they really just hired me to do X, Y, and Z, and that's pretty much it, no more, no less. And here I am losing business or turning people away because I'm forcing on them, hey, we've got to do this way because this, you know, it can come out, we can get these scratches out, we can do this, we can do that. And it's just not the right way to do it. So once, you know, I changed my mentality to customers always right, you know, they just want to wash and a wax. They just want... a quick cut and a polish they just want 
a quick vacuum. Yeah, it might need steam cleaning or extraction, but they just really want a quick wipe, vacuum and wipe down. Like, yeah, the customer is always, always right. Yeah, as long as it's in line with what you're charging, but there's no need to force additional services on them that they don't really want, right? Yeah, I think that's what that's sort of way we look at it, Nick. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I think DJ, you know, said exactly what I think is. You know, so many guys, you know, I got addicted to paint polishing. Yeah. That's what, that's, what, that's, what, that's what hooked me into this business. And that's what hooks a lot of guys. And guess what? That's what also hooks a lot of guys out of the business. Now, you want to be obsessed with paint polishing. I said this at Mobile Tech Expo. I'll say it now. If you want to run a business and your head is buried in a polisher, I'm going to beat you every time. Yeah. My business is going to get bigger. I'm going to get more customers. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely there. It could. Because, you know, guys are obsessed with it. And, you know, gals are obsessed with it. And it's great if that's what you like to do. But heed my piece of advice on this. If you love to polish paint, go work for somebody. If that's what you really want to do, you can make more money working for somebody than on your own. Period. It's not even close. Not even close. You have less headaches. It'll be easier. You won't have to own the machines. You won't have to worry about pad ordering. You know, go work for somebody. That's the bigger upside. If you love to polish paint, that's what you want to do the rest of your life. I think that's awesome, but there are so many people that are addicted to paint polishing, and when times get tough, they can't, they don't have the wherewithal to weather the storm because they want to do things that way. Well, and man, let me tell you, when, th- when things hit the fan, man, that paint polishing goes right out. That's done, yeah. So if you don't have express services and wash and vacs and other, I think we talked about this on a podcast recently, Marty, um, if you don't have these other revenue streams in your business, I mean... You're, you're, you're pretty much, I mean, I think it's safe to say you're, you're kind of done. I mean, not, no one's going to want to pay 5000 1500 bucks to get their paint corrected. What's the point? And the customer's changing, DJ. I mean, that's what people don't realize. Yeah. Um, you know, I just had a conversation with a young detailer getting started out in San Diego. I met him at, at Mobile Tech. And let me tell you what I told him. Build a cash flow stream, something that's repeatable. That's the only way you can hire people. If your business model is not repeatable and it's, and it's based on your talent, you can't expand. So you need to develop a system that people can work and you can hire people because it's already difficult enough to hire people. So you, you, you've got to have something that they can grasp, you know, grasp really easy, really quickly, and can just be repeated. And you know, the level of frustration in this industry about hiring is because a lot of people ask people to do too much. You know, oh, well, so-and-so didn't get it. Well, bud, he doesn't have your skill because polishing paint is a skill. Right. And he's never going to get that. So you flushed a good guy away or a good gal away because you didn't have anything else for this person to do. And so that person could have made you a ton of money, but you weren't smart enough to realize there's more to this world than polishing paint and slapping on 50-year paint coatings. I mean, (laughs) it's, you know, people just don't grasp it. And I think that actually hurts the industry, you know, and and the industry should be so much more broad. We should be looked at so much differently by the general public than we aren't. And we aren't because of those old-school guys, and it tends to be the old-school guy that's just so polish-related. You know, if you're not perfecting paint, you're not a detailer. I mean, I've been I've heard that from so many detailers over the years, and I always said the same thing. Hey, man, anytime you want to pick up a rotary and see who gets a better finish, you let me know. But my ego's not tied to that. 
I feel like there's there's some guys though that that truly de- that's just what they want to do. It's just them and their garage and their polisher, and that's they don't want to grow. So there's, I mean, there's those guys too that are gonna listen and say, "Well, I don't want to." That's just not my goal. So there's just so many different. And, you know, and, and when the recession hits, those guys are always the ones. Well, absolutely, the they're gonna have to have a game plan if 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 or not if, but when the recession happens, they're gonna have to have a game plan like. Do you have money stacked up so you can float through? Because you you can't do your your craft anymore because very little people are going to be doing that or paying for that kind of stuff, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's jump into topic number one because we wanted to continue our discussion on detailers that are in the one to three year. And as you guys started rolling, it's like, all right, let's hop in though and get <clears throat> get going on the topics. Uh, we wanted to address, you know, some suggestions, right? Uh, it can be easy when you look at um, guys in year one to three. It could be easy for us to early judge and say, hey, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Um, and so that's what we want to do because it'll be easy. <laughs> we want to talk about how to not do social in a sense, right? Marketing year one to three, if you're on social media, some things not to do. And then, of course, when we're talking about them, we'll say why. But, you know, the, the first thing that the easiest thing for us to talk about, we all three say it all the time. But, like, listen, guys, if you're year one to three, this goes for anybody, but mostly year one to three, they haven't learned the creative aspect of taking photographies or taking photos. And so they take the same exact photo of the car every single time, and it looks like they are just doing the same thing over and over on every single car. Uh, Nick, we've talked about this quite a bit. I know DJ and I have. Why is that so wrong? Because one side, they could just be showing their work, but what is it that's so wrong about taking the same photos over and over? Well, it looks staged, in my opinion. You know, it looks like... You're just trying to show overall stuff. Um, I'm guilty of it. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, it's quick, it's easy. It looks that way when you get done. I mean, we're as guilty as anybody um, at times of just trying to do something quick because, hey, you know, we did a great job. We want to show it. Uh, I think the key is is to realize who you're talking to. Uh, we've talked about this off the air, Marty, and. Maybe you and DJ have as well. I'd love to get your insight on this, DJ. But detailers need to stop talking to detailers and manufacturers, and you need to start talking to potential customers. No way. Why? (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I I find it really funny how many times somebody will do an Instagram story and they'll show themselves with a polisher and reference the manufacturer, and it's like, I've never had one customer ever ask me what polisher I use. Never once. All right, so hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're you're jumping into number two, the second thing oh, okay. not to Sorry. do. No, that's fine. We can jump. I'm just saying, let, we'll, we'll jump into number two then. So number one was don't take the same photo over and over. Uh, and I would say the reason why not to is because you need to tell a story of what you've done on the vehicle, make it applicable to the customer, not just to your own self that you took and did that car. So the purpose of 
doing multiple parts of a car and actually showing what you do, you're telling the story of the process. All right, so number two, Nick, you're going to suggest that detailers either one to three not hold their polisher and not shout out companies. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I mean, look, those, those people you should have great relationships with. You know, you should have a great relationship with your vendors, but that's a behind-the-scenes relationship. That's not a relationship that your customer is interested in. If they were interested in that relationship, they just don't make that relationship themselves. You know, Rupus sells to everybody. You know, it's not like you have to be a professional detailer to buy it. So if the person was interested in that stuff, they'd go buy a polisher. And so, you know, don't get caught up in, you know, this circle of death, I call it, where you're so worried about people in the industry liking you that you're not actually developing your business, but it feels like you're developing your business because you're talking to a lot of people in the detailing industry. It's like, wait a minute, man, those aren't the people buying your services. So you got to look at it from the car owner's perspective. What do you think most people want? You know, we've been on a crusade here locally in the past few months. We've seen a lot of really bad leather care. So if you look at my Instagram story, people may say, hey, this guy talks about leather care and interior care a lot. Well, let me tell you something. We've just run across, there's a detailer, and I don't know who it is, or several companies that are using a very hefty cleaner on certain people's leather, and if it's gentle leather, they're actually damaging it. And so we've come across like some re-dye jobs and things that are having to be done on pretty new cars. And so for our marketplace, you know, for everybody outside the marketplace, they may say, oh, these guys just talk about leather. Well, the good thing is I got somebody in the marketplace destroying leather. Hopefully somebody from Las Vegas is seeing this and saying, oh, this guy destroyed my leather. I need to call the company. And we've actually made sales off of that. And so yeah, that's that's a great point. Like you're basically saying if you're seeing a problem with a regular repeating problem, start showing people that you fix that problem. Yeah, and, awesome. and look, what are some other things at, besides leather? Okay, so we see a lot of issues with carpet care out here. Um, carpet care out here, you have to be really, really cautious with extractors because it, it you can get such varying degrees of heat. Like it's nothing for, you know, right now, this time of year, for it to be 49 degrees at night and still get up to 85 degrees DJ, I need a beer. I need a stat. Right now? I do, but I can't have it. Why not? Because I'm not at the Gordon Beers Brewery with hundreds of other detailers drinking free beer for hours. Well, we should get a time travel machine and get there right now. Oh, let's do. Okay. So. Tuesday. If I time travel and I'm there. Yep. Should I get there and just show up? No, 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 no. It's highly important that you get there at 8 o'clock. And already have registered. Oh, or, so I should register before I show up. Like right now, as you're listening to this. What's the registration? Swipe up, move this out of the way, and you go to... Swipe up, move it out of the way? Yeah, because iPhone. I'm <laughs> iPhone 10. You swipe this, swipe this up, get it out of the way. Hold on, that doesn't work. Oh, they're listening to the episode. So on their phone. To, okay, yeah, now I get it. Get out of this app. They should not swipe right. They should swipe up. Bro, I have no idea. <laughs> and then go to where? www.freebeersema.com. Yeah. Is that it? it, it that, that's a good one to go to? Okay. Or just Sema Pint Night? That's one too. SemaPintNight.com. SemaPintNight.com. All right. We'll see you guys there. Free beer. Two hours.
Kuchen. Because in, in, inevitably what I know is 
if the customer did something cheap, I don't have to repeat that. They know they've made the mistake. And when I give them my price, they're going to see what it, what it costs to do it right. So I don't have to get preachy. I don't have to say, you know, this person's a bad person. This person does bad work. Um, when somebody's car is not right, whether that be swirling or buffer trails or mold or their leather is starting to wear very quickly, you don't really have to say a lot, believe it or not. And the more you say, the worse you look. So I just always say, don't know that company, explain your issue, we'll address it, I'll give them my price. If they look at me and say that price is high, I just kind of stand there and say, no, that price is fair. You know, uh, this is what it costs to do it the proper way to get yourself fixed. And I move on with my life. I'm not here to preach at people. I'm not here to, to tell people, uh, you know. The, the, the number one thing is the bumper trails. You know, I mean, uh, detailers seem to be obsessed with the, the, the dealership did this, the car wash did this. The, yeah, we know that. I mean, thank you for telling me for the 415th time on your story. We know that they did it. But that's not really a solution to somebody watching it. You know what is a solution? No customer that's a regular customer of mine buys a single car that doesn't have the plastic on it. That's a solution. I don't have to tell my customers not to get buffer swirls or buffer trails or any of that. We do not allow customers to buy cars that don't have the plastic on them. Now, if they buy a used car, that's a different story. But if they go to a dealership and they buy a new car, I say I told them the same thing. You want all the plastic on it or don't get the car. I don't have to have the conversation a thousand times on my story because I pretty much solved the issue. So solve problems don't talk about issues all the time. That isn't really what customers want to hear. Man, that's awesome. DJ, I'd love to know, you know, when, when you've got people, because right, uh, customers that come in and say, well, I've used so-and-so down the street, or, <laughs> you know, hey, do you know something? You know, so when you've had customers that come in and say that, how do you handle it? Yeah, I, I never ask, first of all. Um, I just don't. There's no point in asking whatsoever. I typically say, I'm, I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm glad you brought it to us. And then I start to ask a lot of questions because, for one, this client came over to my shop now and they're bashing someone else's work. So I want to make sure I know exactly what it is they do not like and what, what went wrong. Um, everything about the process. So I'll start asking questions in regards because to... Because you want to make sure all their needs are met so Exactly. Because what I'm really asking... Yep. yep. And what I'm really asking is how can I capitalize on this guy's mistake or this girl's mistake because, you know, this guy's unhappy and he's over here talking about their services. So for one, yeah, I'm protecting my name too because I know this client, as soon as something goes wrong, is going to go to another shop and, and bash me for whatever I did. But... So I always ask, you know, different questions and so forth to figure out what it is they do not like um, so that I can make sure I do the opposite of that. Uh, because I might, let's say a client brought a car to my shop and, and I know I'm, I'm DJ. I, I can do the best job ever. And I, do, I do the work. It's great in my eyes, but it's something that they didn't, they wanted something different or whatever have you. I didn't ask the questions. So in their eyes, they're not happy because XYZ wasn't done. In my eyes, it was great because it was my work, but... So when you don't ask questions and you don't know what the client really wants, you're kind of throwing darts just randomly in the air because, I mean, you really, we, 
we always ask the client what, what their main concerns are. We always ask them what they did not like about previous services. We never ask, and we always say it. We'll say, hey, we don't want to know who it was, but we want to know what it was you didn't like. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And here, here's the thing I like what DJ said about questions. As you get more experienced, you also realize sometimes you may turn away business. Yeah. Because that person comes across unreasonable. And yep. so you say to yourself, hey, I don't think this other detailer did anything wrong. Yep. I can't see what this person's talking about. So if you want my personal opinion, early detailers, be better than me and actually walk away from business when you start. Oh, yeah. Because if you, you know get, it. If you, you get a red flag, yep. I'm telling you. It's a red flag you for know sure. it in your gut, yep. you are definitely going to have a problem. Oh, every single time. And especially, like you said, as you get more experienced, you're going to feel What do you mean red flag? Oh, uh, I'm trying to think of a story real quick because I've had I've got many of them. Um, I'll tell ahead. you I'll tell you a quick one. For yeah. me. I mean it was quick. Uh, a local doctor who had a nice car collection, mm. but he had this Escalade that he his uh, you know wife and everybody drove, and so we're looking over. He had like six cars, and we're looking over it, and the guy blatantly lied to my face. It was him and I privately. There was nobody else around. I look at his Escalade, and there is, like, mold growing on these chips on the floor. And he goes, <laughs> oh, we just stole Chex Mix yesterday. Oh, yeah? And I go, huh, really? He goes, yeah, you know, the kid opened the bag. Now, I can see the mold, okay? So I know this has been spilled bare minimum 90 days, okay? He's just a slob. And I've seen some of the other cars. He's not clean. It's okay. But the minute somebody lies to you about something so simple, that's it. Let me tell you what, that guy became a nightmare. Yep. He became a nightmare. And that little lie that I didn't catch, you know, that I did catch but didn't have the, the, the wherewithal in the moment to say, man, that's a huge red flag, turned into a big hassle with this guy. Okay, here's, so here's one thing. So we're talking guys year one to three. I don't mean to cut you off, but so <clears throat> year one to three, that's you're turning away, let's call it 200 bucks. Just. And you have nothing else to do for the day, but that two hundred dollars that you're turning away can turn into a negative four hundred because the time you're gonna to have to spend to fix this client after you've quote unquote pissed him off or whatever, or he turns into a complete dick that he was to begin with, you're gonna spend more time and effort trying to make it right when you could have turned away the two hundred up front. Yep, perfect way to put it. I mean, you're always time you may spend on the phone, the time you'll spend on email, the time you'll have to go over to his house, Far whatever it is. I mean, it's just when you feel a red flag, and I don't mean somebody is picky. I love picky clients because if you're actually good at your job, you love picky. Oh, they'll love I you. Love, exactly. Yeah, I love picky clients. That's basically all we deal with now is really picky clients. And that's a business model to know if you're really dialed in as a business or not. But if somebody is rude or gives you any sign i'm here to tell you something take the sign and run the other way yeah and even if it's leaving money on the table in your eyes at the immediate moment you might need the money cool but i'm telling you it's going to turn into a freaking nightmare <laughs> yeah. dj's right i mean that 200 will cost you a thousand in headaches if not time if not money if not whatever yep all right any uh any thoughts on the beer any more thoughts I actually like it. I, yeah. I actually, I, I like it way more than I thought. I don't like any pumpkin stuff, like I told you, but 
uh, I'm having my second one, and I got to tell you, it was a good suggestion for sure. Yeah, nice. Marty, right, de- so definitely having go. a good time without you, man. <laughs> Sucks for you, dude. You, sh- you, you should have made it back to Tulsa sooner. Uh, let's see. I have uh, two letters for you. One starts with an F. That's and weird. One starts with a U. Oh, right. Oh. What? Yeah. What? What's the? What's the words? Oh no, just two letters. That's all. Man. Okay. PG thirteen. PG thirteen. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. I got a letter. Um, so let's hop in. I got three let's letters. I D C. I don't care. Um, <laughs> All right. You would do blue moon or blue moon pumpkin. Is that even I do, a question? I do blue moon. Yeah. Well, on a daily, but the season right now though, like the pumpkin's a yeah. nice change. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Topic number two. Um, I'm I'm gonna talk about it for briefly, but then you know I want you guys to kind of you'll. You'll have a bit more uh, to say with it, right? Um, you kind of jumped into it a little bit earlier, and I was like, "Hold, hold on, let's we'll get to it." But it's addressing and and talking to customers, right? Versus talking to other detailers. And I think we wanted to address that as being like our big closing type. Uh, is that? Is that what we, uh, yeah, we want to talk a little cash flow. How that's to, what it was. I'm trying to scroll yeah. through and finish my drive at the same time, so yeah. I apologize. <laughs> You're I'm not scrolling no, no, no. and driving, Marty. Like, oh, wait, hold on. That's, uh, you might as well I drink. Cash flow. I, cash flow. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the marketing part, though, <laughs> here's an important thing. Stop trying to market to other detailers. Stop looking for validation. Nobody's going to validate you. Nobody cares. Do what you think is right and move your business forward. Stop yeah. worrying about what other detailers think. I mean, it's just, it really isn't relevant in the long run. What you what you need to care about is there's guys making a lot of money you've never heard of that all they do is wash and waxes. Dude, and they're and not even, six figures they're nowhere here. to be found on social media either. Yep, exactly. They're, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So, but what would, that's right, cash flow, all right? So, we want to discuss, and I think it was because we know where the economy is headed as far as eventually, right? And so for the young guys that, um, that, that don't know how to go through the tough times because, which, DJ, you and I have said over and over, this is the best time ever to be a detailer. Oh, yeah. So if this is the best time ever, then, well, what's going to look like when it's not the best time ever, and how do we prepare for that? And so – uh, you had talked about Nick, uh, you know, trying to help detailers understand what a cash flow business is, and and for me, if I go, what is a cash flow business? I don't really quite understand what you mean by that because I think most people would go, well, you got to have a little debt in order to make some money, but I don't, I don't push debt at all. I push. You grind until you can't grind anymore, and don't buy a bunch of stupid shit. So yeah, so define so define what you mean cash flow business. So let, let's talk about debt first. There's an easy way to think about debt. You either need to go into a ton of debt, meaning you're going to make your detail shop or your detail business so big that you can't fail. Meaning you're going to have a hundred trucks on the road. They're all going to be financed. You're going to own every piece of, of marketing material, 
and you're just going to blow it out, okay? Or you're going to run it debt-free, which is my belief system in a service business, okay? The problem is people go in the middle, and they get a little bit of debt, and there's no upside to a little bit of debt. You follow my, my line of thinking? Mm -hmm. well, so I do, a, but, let me, but, but let's pause. So we're talking year one to three. Um, people are starting DJ, to make – okay, so at the one to three, you're starting to think about – pulling a big loan or making a big move, right? Well, but we yep. might already be into debt. Okay. We might, because how did we start, all right? We bought a- Gotcha. We, we might have bought a big you truck. You might have started year one right? with massive debt, gotcha. We, we might have thrown a big wrap all over the truck and spent another three grand. We might have thought we need to get this massive trailer and have it fancy logoed and have the most pristine interior clean like everything's yeah. so amazing right i mean because that's the way some people want to be which right if we're going to be a yep. detailing company we should look like a, a really nice detailing company so they might already be 15 to twenty thousand in debt okay okay they didn't have the cash to start so yep. how do we even start cash flow from the beginning Okay, so there's a simple way that, you know, and I'll just tell people my experience. I mean, there's no better way than to share what happened with you. Uh, I've never had debt in my business. I've never owed anybody anything. When we bought, when I bought trucks, I bought them cash. Uh, I never cared about wrapping them, and now it's actually a sign for us. We, we own, and it happened by accident, we own all white crew cab trucks. Um, there's nothing on them. People wouldn't even know who we are, but guess what? Now we're the white truck company. We're clean. You know, we don't have these big flashy logos. It, it happened by accident because I didn't have the cash to put a big wrap on at the moment, uh, when I did my first truck. So, you know, it just kind of happened. So first of all, don't overthink all that stuff. Um, I, I, I had an epiphany moment. And so people need to understand cash flow by looking at bigger companies. Amazon sells you everything on the planet, right? Why in the hell do they want you to have Amazon Prime, which costs you twelve ninety nine a month? You want to know why? Because Two it's day cash shipping. Flow. It's cash <laughs> flow. It's guaranteed cash flow. They know how many subscribers they have for that. That's money in the bank, the first of every month that they can rely on. Netflix, uh, you know, Hulu, you know, YouTube TV, your cell phone bill. Those are cash flow businesses. Think about this. Verizon Wireless charges your bill every month, correct? Mm -hmm. They only give their dividend out to me, an investor, once every quarter. That's positive cash flow right there, okay? So cash flow is very simple to understand. You want to get people that come to your business every single month and do something, okay? The way we've built our business is polishing in my business is the icing on the cake. The cake of my business is all of my maintenance clients that get billed on the first of the month. So when I go into the month, I'm already ahead. Hey, they've agreed to this price every month to take care of their cars. Boom, their credit card is drilled on the first. I'm already positive. I don't have to do anything. We don't have to polish a single car. We don't have to put a single coating on. We don't have to do anything. Because my business is cash flow positive from minute one. Now, does that happen perfectly day one? Hell no, it's a mm, ton of no work. Way. Okay, but the problem is how many people 
have a business like I have in the detailing industry, and for those that don't know, hardly anybody, because they are living by the book business. And so, Marty, you'll you'll kind of grasp, and DJ, you'll know what I mean. Well, I'm booked six weeks out. I'm booked eight weeks out. I had a guy in 2008 that was booked three years out. Do <laughs> you know what booked three years out looked like after the crash? He wasn't booked at all. He wasn't booked at all. He had three years waiting with people that put deposits down waiting for his services. Whoa. Guess what? They disappeared. So he went looking like he had this great business to having nothing. And you want to know why? Because DJ said it earlier. Those $5,000 details, they go away. And so my maintenance clients are getting value every month because I'm there. Their car always looks freshly detailed. I don't have a single client that you would drive by and say, that car needs detailed. You want to know why? It stays detailed. It stays detailed. And, you know, if they get a scratch on it, we fix it. Do they get billed for that? Sure they do. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, cash flow is about setting up a system that you can rely on as a business. And guess what's great? I don't have a people problem in hiring because my guys aren't doing messed up cars. You want to know why people quit? It isn't because they hate you, the boss. They hate sticking their hand in the mud all day. Now, I found that out by accident because I would have never thought of it. But guess what? Since I have a ton of maintenance clients and we see their cars weekly or biweekly, we're never looking at a trash vehicle. <laughs> And guess what? Guys show up, they're smiling, they're whistling. You know, they can't wait to get to work. These guys love detailing, but when you really run them down into that restoration-style detailing, it's hard to keep people. I mean, the, the people you push the hardest and they have the hardest job, they're just not going to stick around. So I've been able to build stability financially and people-wise in my business by making everybody's life easier. Did I have to work my ass off to sell better? Yes, I did. I had to become a better salesperson. I had to become a better marketer. I had to do a lot of legwork that my guys don't have to do. So when they get there, they don't have to do anything. Like if my guys show up at a house, it's already ready to go for them. Most of my clients, we have garage clickers, codes to get in, keys in our truck. I mean, everything is already sold for them and everything is on a route system. So my guys know what they're doing day in and day out. My guys take their truck home. They drive the truck to their first stop, boom. It's, it's, let me tell you, it is cash flow positive is what you have to be concerned about. So DJ said it earlier, get real in tune with express details and things like that because I would change those things into, hey, Mrs. Smith, you have a family. We'd love to come out here every week. Why don't you get in our membership program? Here's what it would cost you. You'd be surprised how many people are going to sign up for it. Yeah, no, we're, 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 let me go at DJ's way. We're 100. Is that the right That's way? That's not DJ? how you say it. Oh, I thought you were supposed to pronounce it. Nah, like it's hard. 100. Nope. Is that yep. the way you do That's it? That's not how you say it. That's not? How, okay, sorry. How do you say it? 100. 100. Yeah, oh, sorry. You go. You got it. We're, we're 100. No, you Is don't. Is that the way you okay. do it? Yep, that's fine, Marshall. Go ahead. Keep that's going. It? Yep. Okay. We are 100. Oh, boy with you. <laughs> DJ can talk about, uh, I'll let him talk about how he's built maintenance 
like that, I, that's early. That was early for me. My first big break, I thought, as a detailer was, and we're talking literally like month three or four in 2002, uh, a customer called me and said, hey, I've got a buddy that really would like his car done every week. Is that something you'll do? Like, uh, yeah. And so every Friday morning at 7 a.m., I was at Mike Sitton's house. Hold on. You, you were there at car. 7 in the morning? Uh-huh. Wow. He must have been, yep. uh, that was a different Marty, huh? That's uh, a different Marty. Yeah. That was young, a young, that was a young yeah. <laughs> uh, And he paid $50 cash every time. So I didn't make a shit ton of money, but I knew that I could basically get there and back in hour and a half or so, or at least there and then on to my next job. That's the way we started. And so I started the morning with 50 bucks cash in my pocket. It's not a bad way to go. And so we really built a lot of what we did on circular type maintenance weekly or bi-weekly business. That would, that's legitimately how I started growing as a company. DJ, you've taken a similar model. Um, you have regular maintenance people that I think you've even done the same thing, like a, a monthly pay at the beginning. Hold on. I'm sorry. My kid came down. So what did you say again? Said you like Blumpkins. Nope, never said. I said my <laughs> kids came downstairs, Marty. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, and you were like, yes, my kid came downstairs. Said, what the hell, DJ? Watch your mouth. Um, uh, the, the maintenance, like how we we both started off with maintenance. So he explained how he did maintenance. Yeah, I was letting you, like, for sure. How have you built a maintenance type business? You right? It's like monthly. Do you just auto hit the card like he was talking about? Yeah. So with us, we've we've developed more into it's got to be because the monthly, the monthly, the weekly, the biweekly, and the monthlies they, it's cash flow. It's it's guaranteed money, weather permitting, every single month, every single appointment. But we've as we've grown, we grew larger, and we had a lot of maintenance clients. We had to really tighten the routes up and so forth. So we started making it mandatory where we had cards on file, we had garage codes, gate codes. When we arrive, the keys need to be in the vehicle. We're not showing up, ringing the doorbell. Oh, I'm in the shower. I'll be down in a second. It's we have to have all these things in place so we can actually uh, keep the day going. So, yeah, we have clients on a weekly or every every other week or once a month, but we do have to have their cards on file um, or check in the vehicle, whatever. Um, okay, but let's pause there. So sure. Both you guys have said you have. You said you have cards on file, Nick. You said. I got garage codes. DJ, you said I got garage codes. We got keys to customers' vehicle. We have a lot of trust then from that customer. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. How right. does how does a young guy gain that much trust with a customer, and how long does it take? Man, I think I think it's just time. I mean, yeah. to be honest with you, you know, that's not something that you're going to speed up. You know, I, I think here's where people mess up. Be where you say you're going to be. Do what you say you're going to do. And about month three with that mm -hmm. client, you'll mm -hmm. be able to do whatever you want to do. That's what I was going to say. Know, consistency. If you deliver yeah. a consistent product, consistent quality product, you're consistently on time. You're consistently communicating properly. Yeah, by year three, by month three, like you said, you're, you're pretty much gold. Well, and here's the great thing. I mean, we have a fairly large business like DJ has a fairly large business. 
you know how many complaints I get from my maintenance clients a month? Exactly zero. Well, when I do get complaints, if they add up, I, I probably, I'll probably cut that client because it's probably not. I'll check if it's us first, obviously, but usually I don't keep people around too long if they're horrible detailers, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, if you get a client that's picky about little small stuff and you're only charging them 75 bucks every two weeks, like they're not the client for you because they're going to cause you more headache than not. Yep. Or and you so raise yeah, their they're, price they're, to they're, you they're, double they're, their price and, and and stay there 30 minutes longer. Yep. And and so DJ, you know, kind of has my mentality. We do a lot of explaining up front, and then I got the 90 day rule. I'm going to give somebody 90 days. If I hear from them a lot, they're done. So, you know, I don't have people long term in my business. I know what a good cut client looks like. I had a very famous entertainer on the strip supposedly had this great car collection we went to his house 90 straight days of hell uh i literally knocked on his door and said this will be the last time we're here and you know walked away from a substantial amount of money but you know headaches are headaches man and i'm all about i want my day to end for my guys peacefully i want my day to end peacefully i don't look i don't have to wake up and detail a car i don't have to detail a car the rest of my life hopefully if I don't want to, but I go out with my guys, I spot check, I'll get in, I'll detail cars with them every single day, but I don't have to do it. And the only way that you're going to get to that place is to get cash flow. Anything aside from that, you're, you know, I, I say it all the time, get your head out of the polisher or there's no growing your business. There's no such thing. If you are going to own a business, you better be really great at marketing and really great at sales, or you better hire those positions first and foremost. Otherwise, you can't build this business. Or, and so there's, a, you know. or so there are some guys that they they have to have a polisher in hand, a rag in hand, a spray bottle in hand, whatever they're doing during the day. But you've got to hustle at night at that point because maybe you can't afford to hire a marketer. Maybe you can't afford to hire someone to do your social media for you. I mean, you're in you're growing your business, so you have to work eighty hours. You're working forty in the field and forty at home. Yep, yep. And so DJ hit it on the head. If, I mean. When you start, things are different. You know, what I'm sort of responding to is where you should be working to is how do I become spot checker for my company and make sure we're doing good work? And what does that look like, the blueprint to get there? And DJ hit the nail on the head. Dude, I, I, ground, I just grinded for so many years when I was doing most of the work and hiring people and firing people and talking to customers and texting customers and marketing at night and all that's what you got to do the first few years. But if you're in year four and five and you're not able to hire people yet, you're not able to do this, you're not able to do that. Let me tell you, man, take a good hard look. If you can't make money somewhere else, you know, a lot of people stay in business and hurt themselves financially long-term because they just don't say, Hey man, I'm not a great business owner, but I love detailing and maybe it's time for me to just go get a job. There's nothing wrong in that. And I've told people for years, Far too many people just hold on too long. And so, Marty, you were getting into the debt thing. You know where the debt thing happens the most? When people are grasping at their last straws. It's not years one through three. It's, I'm five years in, I still can't make this thing work. Maybe if I get new trucks, maybe if I do this, maybe if I do that, you double down on something you've already failed on. There's no problem in failing. You just need to move on and don't grind away for five years making no money. That's their... There's just no reason in this industry to do that. 
That's great advice. That's great advice. Um, so if we're going to, and let's, let's close on this, um, and we'll get to Nick. We do what's called the tab out question of the day, where you get to ask DJ and I a question, and it can be literally about anything. It doesn't have to be about detailing. Uh, it could be about anything, but it could be about detailing. But you get to ask the, uh, the tab out question. Cool. But, but before we get into that, I want to um, wanted to briefly talk uh, with – so we're year one to three. We're going to try and grow a maintenance customer base. Right? We're grinding. We're going after it. At what point do, do we go from maintenance to – adding all these extra stuff that's out in the industry, okay? Because we basically said we need to be maintaining customers' cars, which is washing, vacuuming, you know, putting a little protection on here and there. But if we are strictly a maintenance-style business, I could get away with putting a sealant on customers' cars because I'm going to be back every you know, week or every couple weeks, and all I really need to do is make sure that there's nothing doing it. But are we missing out on a lot of the really cool technology and you know, new technology of coatings and the new technology of clearing off paint if they bought a used car or fixing a new car? Like, so where if we're a maintenance style cash business, um, BJ, I think you've really done well with when you've got those, they buy a new car or buy something like your first of mind top awareness is to sell them on a coating or sell them on a, um, you know, something more than just a washing back. Yeah, so, so we, we look at our – How ahead. do we do that? Yeah, so you've got to have some good systems in place, obviously, to make all that work at, a, at, a, at, a, at scale. Um, so each, our, each membership client we consider kind of like a um, – uh, how would you put this to words? An opportunity. So, so for warm instance, lead. what's that? Yep, a lead. A warm lead. A warm lead, a very warm lead. So that one client could work at uh, Hilti or Google, and it could spread like wildfire. Now you have a bunch of uh, cars up there at this big, massive company that you're detailing all the time now. Like it could spread that way. Or that client can be someone with a um, uh, an exotic car, and he gets every time he gets an exotic car, he has you come out and do a coating. Well, he has friends with exotic cars too, so that's a, that's a lead towards your coatings. And each each membership client is 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 a lead, yeah. So we try to find opportunities within our membership clients that we maximize on with any client we have. We try to find different things that we can get from them, like the next sale or the referral for this or the referral for that. So. Um, you got to look past. Don't you have it set up where your guys uh, go through a little bit of a script when they take in the vehicle? Is that yeah, the so, way it goes? So, or, so there's a whole. You try and pitch always, right? We're always pitching. So we have this whole customer experience built out. So the, our guys know when they get there exactly what to do. There's certain questions in certain orders to get certain answers from clients so we can also foresee the future sales. And all this is automated on an, on an app. Our guys have iPads, and it's an app we've built out to where it goes through just checkbox. So it's pretty much dummy proof if the detailer is gonna do his job the right way. You just literally check boxes, ask the question, then go through it. And all that data now we have on the back end, we can extract and say, okay, 
this detail took this long, so okay, our prices are in line with this service, or they put on the note here in a checkbox, interested in ceramic coating. So now we're going to drop that email into our ceramic coating email list, and we're going to start sending them relevant emails based on coatings because they're interested in it. Or this person's interested in a monthly service. They just got our deluxe detail, a full detail by us. Now they want, they're kind of on the, on the fence of getting a maintenance service. Now we know that because we have that data and we can go back and put them into an email series based on why you want to use a mem why you want to have a membership from EcoGreen. So you got to look at there's so many opportunities with your client base. You have to ha for one have a place where you can extract that data at, which is having s systems in place because pencil and paper in your brain only works for so long until you have so many clients and you can't quite keep it all you know keep up with it all. So. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. You can make a ton of money off off of a, a small client base. Yeah. So building on DJ, what we do is after we have a client for a while, let's just label that six months. Usually, you'll have a good enough rapport, and you'll be able to kind of say, you know, this is what we really do. Uh, you get a car, we one step polish it, we we put a one year ceramic on it. And uh, then you'd go into your maintenance. You'd like to give that a try. And the funny thing is now, all of our maintenance clients that have been with us, let's, I mean, basically we've had maintenance clients with us for eight years. Yeah, so your retention um, rate is probably, what, 98% too, right? Yeah, yeah. Essentially, we haven't lost a client. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you drop one, you don't lose them. I mean, it's, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah. I'm just saying so, that that's how, that's how cash flow it is. You, it's kind of hard to lose those. Yeah, if you're good and you're and you're buttoned up. Yeah, if you're doing your job. You're not gonna if you're not gonna you're not gonna really lose. And what people you know, what you don't wanna do is people hear cash flow, let me build this out, and they're gonna sit at home. <laughs> you know, I'm still the first one up, I'm still the first one checking on everybody, I'm right. still texting everybody in the morning, are you guys excited where you need to head? Right. But getting back to building, you know, the thing that you can't deny as a detailer is that cleanliness and protection are two great values for any customer of any car in the entire world. What you can ask is, is paint correction really a high value to clients? I think it is because I like the way it looks, but protection and cleanliness will, will get them to trade in a car in excellent condition. That's a fact. Okay. Especially if you have a good program. So I really push things that I believe are mandatory. So protection and cleanliness are no-brainers for us. We have everybody on a protection plan. We have everybody on uh, cleanliness and maintenance plan. Those two are buttoned up. Where we'll get a lot of work is, um, you know, we just had a car shipped out of Beverly Hills. It was a gift for somebody. The car came completely trashed from the dealership. And the customer called me, panicked. I said, hey, man, we're going to come pick it up. I took it, you know, I, I have a shop that, that, that a guy will let me rent some time from him. I, I took it to the shop, got it buttoned up within four hours. It was buttoned up. I, I, I built the card, sent the invoice. The guy said nothing but thank you. I had never done that kind of work for that guy before, and he never actually questioned me on the dollar amount. So that's what a relationship will do. And by the way, that guy got billed 200 bucks an hour for, for me to polish it because I had to do it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when I have to do it, I'm going to crack somebody's head because, hey, man, you're getting me out of retirement. I'm going to crack your head. And you need something special. You're going to get your head cracked. 
And guess what? Great clients expect it. And guess what? Even tipped on top of it when he saw me because he said, hey, man, you bailed me out of a problem. So a lot of times what you need to do is one, kind of what DJ said, okay, develop a system. But the other thing is just let your clients know you're there for them. Anything happens with your car, you call me. Don't call anyone else, okay? I will help you. Call me at midnight. Call me from a dealership. Call me whenever. If they know that about you and, and they actually take you up on it, you'll be able to develop whatever you want. So many people try so hard to develop those businesses, but if you listen and you have any brain at all, you don't have to try very hard to develop that stuff. It'll come to you. It's easy. Relax. Okay, just because you see so-and-so telling you they're doing 10 coatings a day, they aren't. Most people aren't. Okay, relax. Get off social media. Just build your business, and opportunity will show itself. Okay, if, don't if, get if, if your eyes are open to it, I'm gonna, there you I'm go. Gonna if say, your eyes are, yeah. get, get off of looking at everybody else's social media. Agreed. You can yeah. become inspired yeah, a little bit, but it's yeah. there's nothing wrong with getting getting inspired a little bit by other people's work and grind and so forth. But there's got to be a time where you're like, okay, it's you got to you got to set it aside. But you also know DJ and Marty. You don't know what part of that story is true. Of somebody's story that you're watching. Oh yeah, we and all have highlight that are, reels. That are posting my cars, you know, my clients, you know, and, and like I said, it, it, social media has its place. What I meant was, don't look at social media and assume that what that guy's telling you is what's happening. Correct. Build your business. Do what you know is right. You know, stick to your guns. But you gotta be a business person first. Stop being and labeling yourself a detailer. Label yourself a business owner, okay? Don't fall into the trap of detailer this, detailer that. Just be a business owner, and you'll make better decisions because everything will come from a place of are we making money, are we profitable, are my people taken care of, are they making enough money, is my customer good? You know, you'll start to look at things differently than just always worrying about your process. Button up your process of how you take care of cars, and then just check on that process. Don't obsess over it. Obsess about growing your business. That's pretty awesome, man. I'm pretty, like, incredible episode. It's time, though. It's time to tab out. Time to call it a night. We drink enough. Well, you guys have. You have not. <laughs> not. I have, though, officially made it home. I just literally walk in. Nice. Well, yeah. Welcome home. I, I do have a question, and I don't, you know, please don't give me the generic answer of seeing people and hanging out and that kind of thing. <laughs> From an industry perspective, things that will affect your business. Why go to what are you guys? <laughs> what, yeah. What are you guys? What are you guys interested in seeing? Yeah, all right. Uh, Madison, you want to go? Or you want me to go? Go ahead. Let me construe this answer. So one of my most interested in at SEMA, I'm interested in free beer at the Gordon Beer's Brewery between eight and ten o'clock on the Friday <laughs> night. And if they will go register, they will get straight. Could, to the could just give, could just give me a good answer. You had to go with promotion. That's a great answer. You asked. I mean, that's that's the answer. Um, so. I, 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 I adjust as I go, okay? So I haven't gone from a detailer mentality, 
right? So I've gone as a chemical distributor selling yeah. products in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and throughout the state of Oklahoma. And so when I've gone to SEMA, I've gone a lot to go look at the companies, to go see what other people are selling, what's going to be kind of the, the new thing that's going to evolve in the industry. So, of course, five, six years ago, it was coatings. Um, then it was polishers became a thing as that, you know, everybody started evolving their polishers. Uh, I, I, so I always try and go see, well, what's something unique and different? Uh, one year we met the people from Back to Clean, and we were one of their first customers to buy product. So that's a really cool thing if you can find some of those new people that are trying to grow a business. Go to the white tents. Yeah, there's the white uh-huh. tents. DJ let the air out of the bag there. Agreed. Oops. I agree. Yeah, no, that's our like that's what we do. Like we literally try and go find those people that they just haven't really come mainstream yet. And if you can get with them early, it's just a good journey to be on with another company mm-hmm. that way. So that's that's sort of besides free beer at Gordon Bishop <laughs> from eight to ten o'clock on Tuesday. Dude, that sounds like a cool party. I might I might have to I might have to go to that. Um you know, the, the other one would be definitely to go around and, and talk to the companies that are new and find all the differently weird stuff that might be out there. Yeah. So every year... Hey, hold on, hold on. Whoa, you've you, you got a... Are you, gonna, uh, are you opening a beer, finally? I am. We're like an hour Stone in, but... Tangerine Express IPA. Oh, God. Mm. You sound like so You sound like Paul, promoting that beer over and over again. <laughs> No, but every year I do like to have kind of a um, a plan of why I'm going on a trip. So early, my earlier years when I was going to SEMA, you know, years and years before even you know Marty, you were going, I was trying to develop my my craft in paint corrections or coatings or develop uh, relationships with coating companies or just different companies just to kind of see who they were and how the product worked and get more knowledge that way. Well, now I'm kind of, you know, I'm an established seasoned business. I, I've kind of had got my systems in place. I've got my products in place. I've got my vendors who I use. So I, I hang out with vendors here and there. I talk to them, you know, just, hey, how's it been going? We'll go out for drinks. We'll hang out at the show. Um, and it's cool. But now kind of my role with the IDA, like, you know, if all goes planned, I'll be the president next year of the IDA. So I'm really there just to kind of talk to detailers and just kind of get in their heads where are they at in business where are they at in life where are they where can they where can they use some help and guidance at so that i can make sure that you know next year or even just my involvement with the idea i can actually push the industry forward in a way that's going to benefit other detailers too if i don't know what's going on in their businesses if i don't know what kind of you know failures they've had or successes i can't really do my part to help push the industry forward so i'm really just going to hang out and just kind of talk to detailers from all over the world yeah, I'm I'm going to SEMA this year because I'm going to be investing in something outside of detail. Hmm. So I'm I'm going for a because I'm like DJ, you know, I've kind of built my business. Our business is seeing steady growth. It's pretty. It's on stable footing. I think this is the time that detailers need to start waking up and saying, "Can I diversify? Can I bring something into my business that nobody in my area is doing?" Uh, something to look into, you know, uh, you can buy machines to do bumper repair. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I want to bring a tinter in. Well, dude, I don't want to bring a tinter in. There's no money. 
but there is money in dealing with insurance companies that I can't deal with now. And so that kind of stuff is um, where I'm headed. I'm headed into SEMA to spend very little time in the detailing wing and spend a lot of time looking at business opportunities in the car business that I think uh, would be a good investment. Interesting. Oh, all right. So we'll just tag along with you. Yeah. And, uh, we'll meet up about. Mm. <laughs> well, like I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, you guys are going to be next to one of my favorite restaurants that, that I like to go to, Del Frisco's, the Gordon Beerson's right next door in the same parking lot. So we'll go have dinner and uh, come on over. Yeah, man, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to your SEMA pint night. I really like what you guys are doing, man. I'm glad that you had me on, and uh, I, I really uh, am glad these kind of things exist for our industry. To be honest with you. Cool, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Nick, where do people find you? In Vegas um, at SEMA. Vegas Ride, yeah, ve- VegasRides.com. Uh, Vegas.Rides on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, TikTok, same thing. And, uh, Ooh. Oh, we were going to call. You just threw it out there. DJ actually sent it over to me the other day. I followed you. Uh, we found you on TikTok. So we were going to be like, hey, what about TikTok? But, man, you already beat it to us. Yeah, the, the thing about TikTok, and I'll, and I'll say this, it's it's still trending pretty young. Um, everybody knows that. Yeah. It's, it's important for it's important for us to know and understand it, which I think I have an understanding of it. Um, if it starts to actually catch on and catch fire, uh, we'll be ahead of the game. Uh, do I think it's worth a ton of my time now? No, but a few a few minutes here and there every week right now is, is definitely worth it for sure. Dude, you can yeah, put one DJ, video out. I mean, yeah, DJ has gotten a lot of a lot of views on a couple of videos. Yeah, so oh, that's awesome. It's crazy. I, I just played around the video one night and like they woke up with like a thousand views or multiple thousand views and tons of. I'm like, whoa, and it's still crazy. It's just weird. I mean, so let me look at it. I got thirteen point thirteen thousand views on one uh, post I put on there, and it keeps climbing, but. I I mean, I didn't pay a dime. I set, I probably put that together in like 15 minutes. Well, let's put it in perspective. Have you gotten 13,000 views on an Instagram? That's, what I, that's where I'm going with this. Like, right. it's crazy. At 13,000 views, like, that's, you don't get that. No, so, I, 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 I don't know if it's. We're I, saying it's young and it's It is. But, I don't know if it's. There's going to be 16 to 20 year olds on there. You know what? So. Thousand of those happen. You don't ever know who they tell about this, or oh, you're in Tulsa. I just saw this really cool guy that does this. Like, you never know. Thirteen thousand is insane. When does a detailer get to do a video of cleaning a car and thirteen thousand people look at it? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I, I, I think I think that's absolutely true. But I also think there's something about social media a lot of people don't think about. Hmm. You know, folks, it still is pay to play. So if you aren't spending money. To actually run ads, you're going to have a low rate of success. I hear people always say the same thing to me. Oh, well, I spent time on Instagram. It didn't work. I said, well, how many ads did you run? Well, I didn't run any. It's like, well, it is a pay-to-play platform. Yeah. I mean, make, yeah. No, mis- make yeah. no mistake about it. It's the classified ad of the modern era, okay? And you had to pay to put a classified ad. So every time we want to drive traffic or we want to actually, you know, have things that are trackable, and see how we can book business, we spend a few bucks. And I'm not telling you to spend 10 grand, but you know, for 50 bucks in a week, you may be able to turn in five, six new details or 
whatever. So that's the one thing to keep in mind with social media. If you're not having any luck, you know, try running some local ads for your business. Yeah. And I, I think I would just mean that we it's very rare that we get the opportunity to do a video that could have people, that amount of people look at it. Yeah, I, I got a question, yeah. DJ. What do, what do you think is like, why do you think that happened? I mean, you know, I always find that interesting. Why do you think you got so many views? I can't, I, I can't grasp it. I, I don't know because I think it's in the song. So TikTok because you pick the sound. It might have been the so I plan on, yeah, I plan on doing the same song with a different video to see if it. I'm gonna play with analytics there, but I, I that's got to be the only thing because the I have videos on here that are, in my opinion, a little bit cooler and better than this video, but for some reason, I don't know. I have no idea, man. So, so can I ask you a question then? Because you you're, you guys are in tune with this. Sure, yeah. How hard have you guys pushed on YouTube? Oh, I, I'm so far behind. Like that's one yeah, area. That's one area that I. YouTube. That's one area that I know that I I should have capitalized on years ago, but I haven't. It's I don't know what it is. There's some kind of block and barrier there that I can't quite. Because I'm not a. I don't even watch YouTube. It's not a platform I ever go to. So I don't go to YouTube to watch videos. I just kind of miss that mark with, I don't know. I just, I don't. So it's not a platform I, sh I go too much, but it's funny. A guy that works for me now, the way he found us was he was watching YouTube videos and ran across our YouTube video and then applied for the job. So YouTube works it, you know what I mean? Not just in that aspect, but it's great platform. I suck at it. Bottom line. Yeah, we're we're going to take some investment into 2020 on, you know, really filming and trying to explain some things to the customer. Once again, speaking to a customer, and I, I you know, I talked to a guy that owns an ad agency that, that's one of our customers, and he's like, "Look, man, you're just going to long form video, which sounds mm -hmm. bonkers to me." Right. He's like, "That just translates into so much business." Ten minute like videos. People like, really yeah. sit down and goes, "Look, you man, you just be surprised." Yeah, they do. Because you just, you know. So I just just wanted to pick your guys' brain on that. You know, it's something that, that maybe we could talk about at SEMA. I'm looking forward to the fight night, so uh, I guess that'll be probably the next time I talk to you guys. For sure, man. Awesome, DJ. Where do people find you? On TikTok, no. Uh, you can. <laughs> You guys can find it everywhere pretty much um, on Instagram is where I hang out the most, but I'm at DJ Patterson or the business is at Eco Green MD. Uh, definitely want to follow the Pints and Polishing page uh, on IG or Facebook. It's Pints Polishing Podcast. That's where uh, the IG is my favorite place there too. So a lot of cool posts uh, about the beers we post and the guests we have on and so on and so forth. So a lot of fun. Talk to you. See you, man. See you. And you can find uh, us at Total Auto Solutions. You're going to get us on Instagram, Facebook, any other main platforms. Our TikTok is a little different. We're doing at Detail Supply App. Um, or you could, uh, like DJ, DJ will hop on the podcast page. I do too. I usually post drunk pictures of beer that I'm drinking. Uh, happened a lot this past weekend. Um, or something that I'm really excited about, um, you can, if you want to, instead of looking us up, you can just text me. So 
text the number 918-800-1188, and uh, that's another place you can find us. Whoa, too. hold on. Text yeah. you. We launched a new texting service. That's our first. <laughs> Heck yeah, you man. Can text us. Um, What's your number again? Hold on, let me write this down. It's 918 Uh huh. 800-1188. I'm going to send you a bunch of pictures. How about that? Dick pics are not welcome. <laughs> no dick pics. Motherfuckers, you better not. There you go, guys. The number, 918-800-1188. <laughs> oh, too funny. Man, what a great episode. Yeah, like, it was. We, we knew, you and I talked, like because after meeting Nick um, at uh, Mobile Tech Vegas, he dropped a lot of knowledge on uh, that day, too. And we were really, really pumped for this episode. Man, just, he's got so much information. He's got a lot, yeah. Yeah. Like, and very crisp, very polished. He knew exactly what he wanted to say. Like, Oh, yeah. He's he's sharp. Yeah, very yeah, sharp. Nicely done, man. Really great episode. So, thank you guys as always. And, um, yeah, like Nick said, we'll see everybody at SEMA. Peace. Cheers. <laughs>Wow, what a great episode. Hey, guys, thank you as always for listening. It really means a lot when you all give us your feedback, when we see you out, or we get DMs telling us about how much you guys enjoy uh, listening and the value you get out of it. So thank you as always for the feedback you give us. It really does mean a lot. Hey, wanted to give you guys a little preview. We're going to do some fun stuff for SEMA. Um, hit us up on our Instagram page. So send us a DM. Say, hey, what's up with that extra thing at SEMA you talked about? And more details to come. But we're going to do some special tastings with uh, just a couple select guys to sit down, drink some really cool beer, and uh, record a show together. So that'll be at SEMA. More details to come. You want in? Hit us up on the IG. Hey, this is Marshall. Make it a great day. Thank <laughs> you.